Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. And great pre owned inventory. And great deals to be had. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Don Orsillo on the call from the Padres Network. This is in the air to right field. Back it goes. Nando has done it again. Fernando Tatis Jr., a grand slam. And the Padres go on top 14-3. Two home runs, seven RBIs for Fernando Tatis Jr. Yep. Considered controversial. The only thing about it that is, to me, controversial in any way, shape, or form, is that he was given the take sign and hit. So his beef is with his manager. It is up to the Rangers pitcher to make a pitch. Which, to be honest, if you watch watch it, he actually made a pitch. Okay? Look, you get as many runs as you can. All right? Phillies were playing at the Dodgers 1990. They were up 11-1, lost 12-11. Okay? Except he won 12-11. Phillies are playing the Pirates. They were, again, down 11-2. Phillies came back, won 12-11. Baseball is a game of outs. It is not a game of time. And sometimes I think that element is forgotten in all of this. Fernando Tatis's job is to hit the ball. Okay? San Diego, a year ago, Padres were playing at Colorado. Padres were losing the game in Denver 11 to 4. Won the game 16-12 in 12 innings. Baseball is a game of outs, not of time. Unwritten rule you have no idea what's about to happen in the next half inning. Hey, your job is to hit. He hit. His job's to pitch. Pitch. Pitch isn't good enough. He'll hit it. That's exactly what happened. Unwritten rule, please. I'm under the category of you never have enough. I've seen enough sports and broadcast. You know, when you broadcast a couple of thousand games in your career like I have, you then come to the realization that there's no such thing as enough. All right, let's bring in Neil Kulong, who has a complete and absolute wonderful take on this. Welcome, Neil. Great to have you with us. 
It's great to be here as always. I I, uh, I choose simple because I can't really comprehend anything more than that. <laughs> then you fit I, right in with the philosophy of this show. <laughs> exactly. I, I I run the ball on third and two. I swing three and oh. It, these are, are simple concepts that I guess not everybody agrees with, but uh, that's just me and my world. Fernando Tatis. They're, they're, you know, I, I'll be honest. I've never heard that even being an issue. I played a lot of baseball. I've never heard there being like an, a, an opponent reason to not what? swing a three and zero. I've oh. been yelled at at coaches for swinging three and zero, but I, I, I've never heard a pitcher being upset over that. The only element that would have any conversation about him swinging three zero last night would be the fact that he was given the take sign. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so exactly. his own so his own manager can have a conversation with him about, hey, look, Nando, want to give me the take sign? <laughs> I really mean I want you to take. But that's it. Do what you're told to do. That that's right. not uncommon. Ask for the, ask for the, you are. As for the pitcher for the Rangers, it's not his job to baby you. <laughs> Throw a pitch. Right. On, on top <laughs> it's of that, it's, it's your like fault. He, he didn't tube him a fastball. It's not like he just threw it in there that you know a, a pitch that absolutely had to be a strike. Right. And Tatis is going to ground into a double play ninety nine times out of a hundred to get that pitch. That was a good pitch. Yeah. Right. And people are making it out to be like it was nothing at all, and we're just going to you know give me one so we can get to three and one, and I can throw a real pitch again. That that was a competitive pitch. You know he might have missed a little bit in, but he's not hitting that out of the park very often. It just goes to show great how talent. good Tatis is, is and really what, what kind of uh, ride he's on right now. He's got 11 home runs. I mean, in a 60-game season, he made it 32. Yeah. yeah it, It'll it, actually it, look it, like, like normal numbers. <laughs> I think it's great for, for San Diego to have a player again that, that actually can compete. It's a great baseball town. It's a great venue. Yeah, I don't know if you've been out there before, but gorgeous. there's a few things better than San Diego. I love San Diego. Uh, I really hope that they're competitive and they win again, just for that reason. Yep. If, if this is something that sparks people's interest in baseball, great. It, it seems to be the only thing they ever have. In, in terms of debate, is the unwritten rule stuff. You know, there's something else yeah. to argue about. Right. So we'll just talk about these things. So, uh, how's the Steeler camp been so far? I mean, they're finally uh, into the hitting part for the second day. I know there were some injuries yesterday in the NFL. How are the Steelers doing? Um, from everything we've seen, we, we talked about this uh, last week as well. We, we didn't know what the injury situation was truly going to be because there wasn't really a way to find that out. Um, right away, the first thing we heard was that David DeCastro and Marquise Pouncey were not practicing and nobody saw them wherever they were. Right away, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> don't tell me that that happened. And they just <laughs> didn't say anything about it up until now. Uh, but it just sounds more like you know, that that's kind of how Mike Tomlin um, – manages the, the veteran players. He gives them days off. Uh, More Keith apparently had some type of personal reason not to be there. Whatever that is, that's not unusual. Uh, we, we hear about those things a lot. Uh, for the most part, it sounds like guys are, are in pretty good shape, you know, for, for what they're going to be at this point in camp. Um, nothing significant that we've heard, nothing that's really going to draw uh, any any real problem. But I, I honestly thought, Steve, you were calling me today to talk about the uh, the Artie Burns injury. I don't know if you saw that or not, but Artie Burns went down uh, in, in Bears camp. He has a left knee injury, which, you know, I'm not rooting for anyone to get injured or not. I just thought it was funny because it's training camp, and I'm going to talk about Artie Burns some more. It's <laughs> just to keep on giving. Yeah, Artie, yeah. Artie Burns is, to me, the definition of the absolute combine guy. 
runs of time, can't really play the game. It's funny that you mentioned that. I, I watched um, on HBO that documentary on, on Belichick and Saban. Yes. Where they're, they're kind of sitting there talking to each other back and forth. One of them said, they were kind of saying like things that don't really matter and that have much more value today uh, for non-football reasons. You could tell both of them were really kind of hesitant to say what was on their mind, but they sort of locked eyes when I think it was Saban said uh, the combine. They kind of looked at each other. It's like, I want to say something, but I'm not going to. <laughs> you can really see where you know the, the old school grizzled coaches are when it comes to those things. And you're exactly right. I mean, Artie Burns, he checked a lot of the boxes that the Steelers were looking for uh, at that point. They, they were intent on finding that cornerback. They wanted the, the long-term investment at that position, and they went out and got a guy with prototypical size, good athleticism, good experience, everything except really kind of you know the, the ability to play at a high level consistently. And I'm not sure we saw Burns play well for more than maybe a, a game in a row. And he was given plenty of chances up until the end. He left town saying he, he didn't get an opportunity. I, I heavily dispute that. Uh, he, he, got a, he, got a, he got a lot of opportunity. He got more opportunity than maybe he deserved. Yeah, on top of that, it's like, Artie, if they didn't give you a chance to make the team, why do they go out and pay two guys a combined $20 million for three seasons to play your position? It's because you didn't win it. You you, you had your chances. They wanted you on the cheap to, to be able to step in and, and, and play that, that spot. But it didn't happen for him. I, I hope, uh, sincerely, I hope it works out for him in Chicago. He's a, he's a, a good kid. Um, and you never know. I mean, the cornerback position yeah. is, is probably the hardest to evaluate. It, you, you've seen guys not do well right away and come in and all of a sudden be world beaters um, within their own team. I mean, Steven Nelson wasn't the guy that was thought of very highly. I was big on him coming out of the draft, but he wasn't going to be more than the third or fourth round pick. Uh, for him to play the way that he did last year, I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Uh, Mike Hilton was undrafted and cut before he, he wound up with the Steelers, and all of a sudden he's one of the best slot cornerbacks in the game. So in, in different environments can change for different people, yeah. and the Steelers suddenly find themselves with this great three deep at, at, within their cornerbacks. And two years ago, I, I would have laughed at you if you told me that was going to be the case uh, down the line. Just with how the game works and the, the value of the position, it's really hard to get a lot of them that, that are good. And the Steelers have that now. Yeah. And by the way, one quick note about Artie Burns. We can kid all we want. He has done a lot for his family. Not a little, a lot. And deserves a lot of credit for what he's done for his family. I mean, because I mean, he's you know, younger brothers and sisters, and he's he has gone to bat for them. Uh, both uh, in terms of guidance and also financially. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and that's that's what it's about too. I mean, he you know he can laugh at me all the way to the bank as I criticize his game. That's the only thing I'm criticizing about him. He's a he's a high character guy. That, that's yes. also a big reason why the Steelers wanted him. Yes, uh, it's not just about talent for them in the first round. They want the guy they're going to invest in. They want the the, the young man who's going to grow up and be a leader of the team. Um, and if you look back at their first round picks, by and large, that's the type of guy they have. Right. You know, Cam Hayward was that guy. Uh, David DeCastro, you know, maybe Jarvis Jones doesn't work out, but Ryan Shazier was going to be that guy. Yeah. Uh, they're still hanging on to Bud Dupree. Artie may not have worked out, but then you've got J.J. Uh, Watt, <laughs> excuse me, T.J. Watt. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it'll go on and on with these players. They might not work out uh, talent-wise, but they want character. They want leadership mm -hmm. uh, from their first-round picks, and by and large, they've done a great job of getting those guys in there. 
Uh, ben, uh, some have been concerned about the spin rate on the ball that he's throwing right now. Is that still, <laughs> is that still a problem? No, that, that was something Mike Tomlin said, kind of in the vein of uh, Troy Polamalu having a defect of his birth certificate. You know, that he, he's old. That's why he had the day off. He's criticizing the guy that had reconstructive elbow surgery by saying that, that his spiral isn't this tight. That's a very superficial, tongue-in-cheek comment saying he's he's fine. He's in great shape. We're focused on those kinds of details with Ben Roethlisberger now. I, I don't think there's a problem with him throwing the ball. Um, it certainly wouldn't be anything that I think uh, Mike would, would say openly. Uh, he wouldn't be critical about something like that. I, I think they're excited to get him back. And From what we've seen and, and the media accounts that are, that are coming out of Heinz Field now, uh, he's doing well. He's going to be there. He's going to compete the way that he does, and his players are excited to have him. I think Vance McDonald touched on a lot of that today when he spoke to the media. Um, the ball looks as good as it ever did. You know, he, he's going to be out there ready to ready to lead the team, and that's largely what they need. And I think that's what they're asking for. Uh, back to the players that miss practice. Uh, they're veterans, and I think you made the exactly the right point. They're veterans. They know what to do. You don't have to sit there and go through and teach them all over again. This is something that was brought up about uh, the Big Ten possibly having to play part of one season, then a full season after that. It really is important today how you practice. And it's not just the, what the Players Association says, it's how the coach approaches it. What's Mike Tomlin? Has he evolved over time as to how you practice, or has he always practiced this way? I'll, I'll say this. From my experience, which is really what I witnessed, versus what I hear uh, from colleagues at different places. The veteran coaches, the ones that, that have more job security perhaps, are doing less physical stuff. And this is kind of where you get into he's a player's coach and things like that. I, I think Mike is in tune with how his veterans are and the type of team that he has. When I say that, I mean the Steelers were, were super young back in – 2015, 2016, they had to get guys out there banging probably a bit more than they did because they need to, to you know, really learn what this is like. They have to kind of push the, their limits a little bit. When he has a veteran group that they're going to need to play over 16 games and beyond, he's not going as hard on them. But what we do know is the young guys are going to be out there hitting. You know, we can look back at the preseason. Um, it may or may not matter to play a preseason game, but guys, I remember specifically, Bud Dupree played like every snap of the 2015 preseason when he was healthy. Uh, T.J. Watt played pretty much every snap. Um, he's going to get the younger guys out there to run to give the, the veterans a break. Now he'll he'll dial it back on the veterans a little bit because mm-hmm. they know what they're doing, sure. and you need to you need to space them out. You, you've got to give them uh, the ability to recuperate. That part, I think, is where the science of the game is going. I think more coaches are coming to grips with that more than anything else. It, it's not that they aren't tough. It's not that they, they you know can do this or can't do that. It, it's simply just about the investment. You don't want guys breaking down in week 15 uh, if you're a top seed or you're competing for a playoff spot. That's right. I mean, why would you want that? That's right. Can you say empirically the, the amount of contact that they have or even don't have um, in, in August is the difference between winning and losing in December. That, to me, just seems like something from a, a Disney movie back in 1985. I, I don't think that that's the case. Scientifically, the more wear that you put on your body, you're going to break down at, at some point. Everyone's got kind of a finite point. But it, it has to be a, a consistent, all-around effort 
to train your body, to condition your body, uh, to eat the right foods, get the amount of right amount of, of rest that you need to, to recover. And with that, be, you know, be able to be productive for the longest amount of time. It's a sustained thing. It's not a, you know, go all out and then do nothing. You've got to have the, the right amount of activity uh, in order to condition your body. Um, it's a long-winded way of saying, I, I think Mike has a good grasp of that now. He's also got way more experience than most coaches in the league. And it seems like the coaches who are more entrenched in their jobs without the fear of, uh, you know, you're one season away from getting fired. When you have things like that in place, you tend to be more on the player side of things, which is perhaps not as much contact for your, your veteran players. And I, I think Mike has um, – he's done a good job with that, although I, I would argue – uh, at least to some degree, he hasn't had a whole lot of teams in in the last CBA in that era. Not a whole lot of his teams really came out of the gate smoking. You know, they 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 didn't look all that good right away, especially at the middle point. He had some really bad weeks one through four. So I I don't know if ratcheting up the the physicality of his camp is the right way to do it versus setting the tone that you guys need to get yourselves ready and that that's more than just us throwing you into backs and back, backs on backers right away like they did yesterday. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I think that's first of all it's the right thing to do. It's the right way to go about it. Uh, it's a it's a long season, uh, and. I think if you go about your business in the right way and people know and, and you trust your veterans to know how to prepare, then I think you're, you're going to be fine with it because uh, you're finding, you know, it's not just the Players Association. I think coaches have adapted to less and less hitting, and I think, you know, they understand. You, you also have to have people mature enough that when you do a walkthrough, they're actually doing it instead of, oh, yeah, I'm walking through. Yeah, I, I would agree a thousand percent with that. And it really, the, the overall message is it is a physical game. It's a contact game. It's a game of attrition. But there's a lot mentally that you need to process yes. as well. It's not just simply we're you know our linebackers are banging through the a gap. That's all they're doing all game. They have to do a lot more now than they did 20 years ago. And you have to coach that. That yep. takes time. Yep. So to evolve your point, which I think is is on about the idea that it's not the NFLPA. Mandating that you don't practice as much, they, they that you don't hit as much. They have a reduction. They had a reduction, I should say, in the previous CBA from the one before that in the amount of padded practices that you can have. But that doesn't mean they didn't hit like crazy when they had pads on. Some teams still didn't do it all that much, but they spent more time teaching and instructing yes. and, and going over all the different yeah. situations that they might get into that isn't about whether or not you can put the guy on the ground. Now, we might not see the most perfect form tackling in the NFL anymore, but the game is still plenty physical. You don't need to worry about no that part doubt. of it. Um, I, I'm not seeing a whole lot of situations in which defenses are just gassed and can't do anything uh, because of you know the, 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 the counter tray that this team is running against them, power football up and down the field they're losing by getting beat by more athletes on the field spreading around in pass mm-hmm. yep. So they have to go over coverage a lot more often. They have to bring in younger players to play different kinds of positions, something the Steelers have been trying to do for years. You know, it, it, Morgan Burnett became, um, I don't even remember his name, from last year, the, the linebacker safety, Mark Barron. Uh, it, we're, they're always going to have that uh, hybrid linebacker safety type of player. They've been trying to do that since Robert Golden back in like 2011. Uh, getting that guy on the field, getting them acclimated to how to play the game now in this new type of role, 
plus scheming all of that up. Yep. That's beyond you know, phys- you know contact drills. They have to coach that. They have to teach yeah. that. Uh, more of their time, from what I've gathered, my own experience, uh, which is limited compared to a lot of other people that have been around for 30, 40 years, what they say is it used to be really just kind of 11-on-11 scrimmage all day. That's what they did. Yeah. Now they're stopping and going over stuff in position groups oh. much more often than they used to. And I think they Don, have to. Don Shula, when he started with the Dolphins, after he left the Colts for the Dolphins, four days. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Neil Kulon. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show is brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. You want a Ford? Sunbury Motors has it. Lincoln, Sunbury Motors has it. Hyundai, Sunbury Motors has it. Kia, Sunbury Motors Kia has it. And great pre-owned inventory. Say that's uh, where your budget range is, pre-owned inventory. They have fabulous selection of pre-owned inventory. Great deals to be had. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio gave the thumbs up to high school football today. Interesting. So I thought that was not only interesting, but also an interesting place to start here in this final half hour. Also, uh, we'll hear from James Franklin tomorrow. Football activities are going to continue as will other sports. Uh, the 20-hour-a-week rule is going to be in play. And James Franklin will address that tomorrow, among other items. It was thoroughly, completely irritating to me today. When I saw you know, CBS Sports puts out its top 130 every week on a week-by-week basis. <laughs> Today it was the top 36, the uh, top 76. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> and of course, Penn State's not listed. Penn State probably would have been listed anywhere from five to eight. Okay. Of course, Penn State's not listed. They're not one of the 76 playing. I was like, oh, I saw that. I said, oh, I just gritted my teeth. But you move forward. You move forward. James Franklin will get into more of that tomorrow. 
The Phillies play the Red Sox tonight. That game's at Fenway, right? Yes, it is at Fenway. Hmm. Wow. I wonder how they let the Phillies in. Pennsylvania's not supposed to need a 14-day quarantine to go to Massachusetts. I know because uh, my wife wants to go visit her mom. Now, they're in Connecticut, but it's right on the Mass border. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take much to you know, make two turns and you're over the line. Uh, she wanted to go up and see my granddaughter, which means you got to go through Massachusetts to get to New Hampshire. I said, they may have to come to you. But the Phillies can play. By the way, the parents are setting up a protest in front of the Big Ten office. Which is in Rosemont. Rosemont, by the way, is right next to O'Hare Airport, if you're wondering. And Sean Wade's father, the fine defensive back for Ohio State, is helping to lead this charge. His name is Randy Wade. They want answers as to why the league postponed the fall football season so early. So they're going to Rosemont. He says he's flying to Chicago on Thursday and expects other parents from Big Ten players to join him and ask for specifics with league commissioner Kevin Warren, probably going to meet there on Friday morning. Wade said, quote, how many petitions must there be for the Big Ten to actually look into this? We only have a certain amount of time to correct this, so we need to come together and show more unity and make them more uncomfortable. Make them come out of their shells, give us some answers to some questions, and hopefully rewind back and open things up. Parents of players from Ohio State, Iowa, Nebraska, and Penn State, as well as other schools, have written letters to Kevin Warren asking for details about the league's decision to postpone. Justin Fields started the hashtag WeWantToPlay petition on Sunday. So far, it's received more than 268,000 signatures. The Big Ten said it is, quote, aware of the petition and the letters, but is yet to commit publicly to meeting with the players or the parents. Randy Wade said, quote, why so early? This is what we're going to be talking about up there. We're getting advancements in technology by the day, so why so early? Why so quick to give up on the Big Ten and these kids' dreams? And, of course, ironically, right after the announcement was made, that's when the announcement was made on the saliva test, which speeds up the entire process and apparently is very accurate. Wade said university presidents, athletic directors, and coaches ultimately have a duty to support the Big Ten, adding that players and parents are the only ones who can truly enact change. Ryan Day and his staff have publicly supported Fields' petition and the parent letter to the Big Ten, pledging to keep fighting for a fall season. Wade also said that he and other parents are open to revisiting a liability waiver for schools, which drew sharp 
uh, sharp criticism for politicians and the NCAA, which prohibited their use. Ohio State in June had athletes sign a Buckeye pledge before resuming voluntary workouts. Okay, if that's the only thing that you're concerned about, let us sign a waiver, Wade said. That's simple. The NCAA retract what they said and let us sign the waiver. Randy Wade, Sean Wade's father, said, There's a lot of power in numbers. I'm hoping we can react and get up there and stir it up and make a change, hopefully. I'm working, excuse me, quote, I'm hoping Kevin Warren reacts before Friday and says some things that satisfy us. That's my hope. We've got to put the pressure on to keep on fighting. I know there are more important things going on in the world right now, but this is also important to these kids. Now, whether any Penn State parents will join in or not, I don't know, because obviously there is a huge commitment financially to fly to Chicago. So that's uh, the latest there. We opened up the show, and of course we talked a little bit about the Fernando Tatis Grand Slam. Um, throw a better pitch. <laughs> Baseball is a lot. And then the, then the next pitch that was thrown went behind Manny Machado. Really? Because you couldn't throw a better pitch to that guy, you got to throw a pitch behind that guy? Here's an unwritten rule. Go out and do your job. Let's try that, see how it works. Yeah, Texas is just mad they stink out loud. Says the Yankee fan who's catcher can't catch. Um, Hey, no, I agree. I am the only... I want to let you know, and, every, and all of Yankee Nation know, I am the most critical fan of Gary Sanchez. Because you're right. And he's also the reason why Joe Girardi got fired after the 2017 season. And now he's doing this stupid one-knee thing, and he still can't block the plate. Give me a break. At least he's finally starting to hit again. Awfully bitter. Yeah, I'm sorry. In the, I just in, in the Yankee corner, you got five thousand wins so far. <laughs> hey, I'm happy about that. It's just you know, Sanchez bothers me sometimes. Nobody could tell. <laughs> kind of took me aback. I was I was shocked. All right. So we talked about Fernando Tatis and the Grand Slam. Sorry, you got to throw. You got to do your job. You got to throw a better pitch. Now, actually, I thought it was a decent pitch, to be honest with you. Um, the only problem I have with it is he was given the take sign. Look, just play. I never understand that. 
I mean, just play. And I'm sorry if, if you're the Rangers pitching staff and you're not in the mood to play and just throw at guys because you threw a lousy pitch and the guy hit it out. Whose fault's that? It's not the guy that hit it. <laughs> Last I checked. <laughs> if you're going to assign fault. All right, we'll wrap it up. More in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Well, once again, one of the co-hosts is bitter. Wow. Gary Sanchez is probably the only thing oh. that I've that that I don't oh. like about the Yankees right now. That's all. And his defense. He's starting to hit the ball now, which is good. He had a very good series against the against your Red Sox. Well, that's okay. I mean, the Phillies are about to at least get themselves back in the race. They got the Red Sox going. <laughs> Red Sox pitching it. I mean, it's all you know. I see these guys: Colton Brewer, uh, Weber. These are the same guys when 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 my son Dan and I went to Fenway Park. They played the Astros. Yeah, and we're looking at the rotation. Thought Sale might pitch. But no. Velasquez, then they brought in Weber, then they brought in Brewer. The two of us are looking at each other like, are you kidding me? Are we watching Portland or Pawtucket here? What is this deal? What's going to be the over-under of the ERA combined of both the Phillies and Red Sox bullpen for this two-game series? What's the over-under? Who knows? I don't even think the Red Sox. The Red Sox might not win 20 games. Oh, it's the only thing good about the 60-game season. They probably won't lose more than 40. All right, so... <laughs> the misery ends sooner rather than later. Well, remember in 2018, they were so good. Bob Prince used to have a saying, you win 54, you lose 54. It's what you do in the other 54 that determines your outcome. You know what the Red Sox record was in the other 54 in 2018? 54 and 0. They won 108 games and they lost 54. Then they got to the postseason. And in the postseason, they were 11 and 3. <laughs> they won 119 games. This team might not win 19 games. <laughs> 
Uh, yes. At least if you're a Pirates fan, the team got a couple of days off from the Cardinals and the and the Reds. You have to worry about that. Uh, yeah. Well, you know how I feel about the Cardinal thing. I'm sorry. Those players in Springfield are sitting there for a reason. Time to use them. Not every Cardinal would be ruled out. you got to keep going. You, you know, the re, There's a reason why that group is in Springfield. They're not there to keep scrimmaging each other. The same thing I said about the Phillies. I mean, Jim Jackson didn't like it when I said it, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Them's the breaks of the game. Uh, you got to keep playing a season. You can't just stop somebody's season when you've got other people capable of playing it. And the Phillies, the, you know, the frustrating part is the Phillies kept testing negative, negative, negative. negative. It, it, look, you got to play. All right, and we talked. To, we also opened the show with uh, about what is really a surprising number. And since 2012, football viewership has fallen off only by a hundred thousand for a national game. Baseball viewership has only fallen off by 100,000 for a national game. Not bad. The NBA's national game has fallen off 45%. It's down 40% on TNT. It's down 20% on ESPN. Now, again, as I said earlier, if you're a good listener, you know what I'm talking about. Because the simplistic thing would be, it's all the political stuff. Stuff in the backcourt, press conference. This is an eight-year trend, not an eight-month trend, not a post-China trend. This is an eight-year trend. Why is it the eight-year trend? There is no question that some people, there's a segment of the audience that is turned off by the political stances. No question there's a segment that is. Wouldn't be an honest conversation if if you didn't bring that up. But when it's an eight-year trend, as opposed to an 18-month trend or a three-year trend, that's where you've got to look a little bit deeper. And part of what I see with the NBA is this. I mean, they have a great star, obviously, as a player in LeBron James, great, great player, who goes out and plays every game. He knows his obligation to the game. Just the way Jordan, Bird, Magic, Kareem, Worthy. All those guys, they play game in and game out. But the NBA, is, to me, has spent so much time bending over backwards for the players, you have to ask yourself if they've bent over backwards for the consumer. You can't treat your player like they're actually your consumer. Your consumer is your consumer. They've spent a lot of time and a lot of effort cultivating Europe. They've spent a lot of time and a lot of effort cultivating Asia, and in particular China. Because look, that's that's where the difference-making money is. 
I don't care whether it's a movie or whether it happens to be sports. China can be financially a difference-making market. I understand that. But you have nothing if you're not cultivating your own markets. What are you putting into it to make Memphis a stronger franchise? What's Memphis doing on an everyday basis? NBA academies are at different spots around the world. You know what? There are no NBA academies in the U.S. None. They don't feel like they need to. They need to spend more time cultivating their own consumer. And they have to, and instead of treating the player as if they're the consumer, they need to treat the consumer as the consumer. They need to look at the player and say, look, Here's a contract. This is what we do. This is, you know, we're obligated to 82 games. And unless you're hurt or injured, you're obligated to 82 games. When you see the the New Orleans not playing Zion Williamson down the stretch of a game because he's reached his minutes level. What? He's 19 years old. Really? Really? Load management. Kawhi Leonard's a great player. Both ends of the floor is a great player. But you realize last year for Toronto, he played 60 games? That's 22 games. He's a no-show. And the reason was load management. We want him fresh for the playoffs. Well, it worked out great. He was fresh for the playoffs. They won the championship. But from a business model point of view, I'm sorry, But the woman that wakes up at 5.30 every morning, gets her children ready for school, then goes to a job where, by the way, she's expected to be at her highest performance level, then gets home and has has to either get dinner, make dinner, or take them to a recital or take them to a Little League game or whatever it may be, and then start all over again. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to hear about your load management problem. No, no working person wants to hear that.